You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Podcast, the Two Chumps Football Podcast. I do need to make that very, very clear because football is what we talk about here. He's Emil Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. We're here. It is week nine of the college football season. Wait, what week are we on? I'm lost here. Week nine of the NFL season. We're week 10 of college, week nine of the NFL, and we've played 122 out of 272 NFL games. I got all the stats for you. Good. Yeah, well, he's a numbers man. You should know that if you're new to the show. He is the accountant, so we rely on him for all the numbers. If the numbers are fudged, he's the guy to talk to. Don't talk to me. But nevertheless, we are here, and uh, like, you know, the season's moving too fast for me. I couldn't even tell you what uh, week we were in. Nevertheless, we are indeed in week nine of the NFL season, week 10 college football season. A whole lot for us to get into on the show today. One power five coach from the South has had enough of the <laughs> fan base. We're going to talk about it. Another guy is uh, taking a page out of the baseball handbook <laughs> and he's uh, stealing signs. Jim Harbaugh still in trouble. Uh, one of the college football teams took two L's on the same Saturday when visiting Los Angeles. We've got NFL news to get to. It's over once again for Josh McDaniels. In Las Vegas, are the Kansas City Chiefs in trouble? We're going to talk about it. And there is a seventh-round quarterback that people are starting to have some second-guessing about. All that coming up on the show today, plus our award-winning picks. We haven't actually gotten an award, but you've gotten a reward. If you've been following our picks this season, we're going to get into the week that was and the week that's going to be uh, coming up here on the show. So we appreciate you guys joining us if you're trying to get a Get a hold of me somehow. You can send me an email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. If you want to get in touch with Emil, you can send me an email to cwilson <laughs> at gridironstuds.com. And you can... Uh, Especially if it's a scathing email. Feel free if to send it it's a scathing email, we'll find another way if you know. Anyway, <laughs> any comments you have about the show, send them to cwilson at gridironstuds.com. We'd greatly appreciate any and all feedback that you have on the show. And you can reach Gridiron Studs on Twitter on Instagram, on TikTok, at Gridiron Studs. We keep that very simple here. Emil uh, says, hey, don't bother him on social media right now at the moment. Are you calling it Twitter? You're supposed to refer to it as X, formerly known as Twitter. It's kind of like when Prince back in the day used the, the symbol, the, the sex thing, remember? No, we man. Say, the artist formerly known as Prince. Forget all that. Damn that dude that owns Tesla who uh, took over Twitter, okay? There's still a bird noise when I refresh the page. How about that part, Elon Musk? All right, let's get into it. Emil, there's something after my own heart. Uh, Dabo Swinney had a week, okay? This team's four and four. They're they're a little removed from the national championship that was last one. I believe it was 2018. They're a little bit removed from that. And the fan base has become entitled. They now feel like they should have that championship feeling each and every year, even with uh, Nick Saban still out there, even with a Kirby Smart still out there, and even with all of the resources and 
intensity that's being put into the Big Ten conference by its own members or, you know, perhaps by some media outlets to get that thing going. Fans down in Clemson feel like they should have that championship feeling every year or at the very least shouldn't be four and four. And so as coaches do each and every week, they have call-in shows. And Dabo Swinney was doing his call-in show this week. And he got a call from a Tyler in Spartansburg. And he I'm not going to play, you know, the sound bite. Okay, I'm sure you've heard it by now. It's, you know, by the time you see this podcast or hear it, it's going to be Friday, Thursday, Friday. So you would have heard it, seen it by now. And if you haven't, you're on a real college football fan. Anyway, you've if you heard this one, you've heard them all. Fans on there questioning Dabo directly as to why are you making $11 million if we're four and four? And Emil, I don't agree with everything Dabo Swinney does or says. Um, but man, I'm behind Dabo Swinney on this one. He put that fan in his place. He didn't take the high road. He set that guy straight and told him it's fans like him that are the problem. And that is the gods to honest truth, Emil. It really is. He broke it down as to all of the God's double- honest truth. When I heard this, the first person I thought of, and I'm not making this up, is you, my friend. Absolutely, because I've been uh, railing I, on it this. It came right forever. to my head. I said, oh, my God, he must be He must be like smiling ear Oh, ear. man, I was all over it. I, I retweeted it on X, <laughs> and I said, <laughs> Dabo Swinney better not apologize for this. I don't want to hear any apology. I am 100% behind this guy because these crybaby fans will absolutely wreck a program. And it sounds to me that if he's gotten to this point and addressed this fan the way that he did, he broke down all the double-digit win seasons that they've had. And and really, I'd almost forgotten how great Clemson had been since Dabo Sweeney had taken over. And on top of the fact that they hadn't sniffed the national championship for 35 years until he showed up. So I'm allowed. Well, well yeah, and I think season. I think I think if you split this up, right? To me, it's it's a twofold. Where you're coming at it from the football perspective, so sure, for fans out there, you know, go out and go on Google and type in Clemson football history. But before 1981, it was rather mediocre with a few good seasons here and there, like they always would. They had a one-off in 1981. They won a championship. And from 1981 to 2016, it was a lot of mediocrity at Clemson. Okay. I mean, that was generally, I, I, I always say to you, going back to the days of 11 games, they were the consummate mm-hmm. six and five, seven and four, eight and that three was it. team. And it didn't, care. They it didn't matter who it was. I always viewed Clemson and Texas A&M similarly then because they always had resources, but they never did anything. That's why I view them similar, similarly. Then Dabo got there. They won, what, two national championships. They played in another and barely lost. I think that was the 45-40 game. He's right up there at the top of the college football world for, for a period of time with Alabama and as Georgia came in, okay? And he, he has a – last year was 11-2, and two, right? I think they were 11-2? and two, Yes. 10 and 3 But you would have sworn they were 8-4. and four. Yeah, I mean, I think they were 11-2 and two or 10-3. and three. I know they had a, a good season. They won their – I believe they won their bowl game. So, okay, they're having an off year. That's the first thing. What gives the fan, you know, is the fan delusional? The second thing is, how about some politeness? Would you, I guarantee you that fan 
wouldn't walk into his doctor's office face to face and go, you make $800,000 a year. You're a shit. You're a shitty doctor. Why do you make $800,000 a year? I don't think that fan would have said that to Dabo's face. Frank. Oh, I don't either. And that's my point. I just love that Dabo put the guy in his, and he went on a rant. He went on a rant. And I think he was not only speaking to Tyler from Spartanburg, but he was talking to all of the Tyler clones that are out there that um, will routinely wreck a program. Here's what's going to happen, because there was something telling in that whole rant that really stood out to me. Dabo said, if Clemson is not happy with what it is I'm doing here, they're free to move on. And you are, and I'm paraphrasing, free to apply for the job. Go right ahead. It sounds to me like he's at his wit's end and he would just as easily head off to somewhere else, which he could do. And then Amol, you know what Clemson's going to be when Dabo Sweeney leaves. They're going to go back to everything you just described that they were from 1981 to 2000. I don't want to say 16, uh, 12 or 13 when he really started to turn things around there. We know that that's what's going to happen. They may even be worse, Amol, because what's going to happen there is what has happened in a lot of other places specifically a place like Gainesville. The next coach is going to come in. They're going to have zero patience because though you are not happy with Dabo, when that guy's not Dabo, you're going to compare him to Dabo. He's going to either have enough of it or the admin's going to get afraid because of all the noise and they're going to get rid of that guy. And you're going to have four coaches in nine years. And at the end of that ninth year, you're probably going to be five and seven or, you know, four and eight. Can I give give you a more recent example? Mac Brown, okay? Mac Brown's at Texas. Now, for those of you who don't realize this, Texas, for all their glory, okay, had three national championships. Not that that's bad, but they were all in a very short period of time under Daryl Royal, 63, 69, and 70. They hadn't sniffed one. 35 years. And they get one in the great, still kills me, the Vince Young game, okay? As my Trojans go for three straight, oh. <laughs> anyway, they win. Yeah. Mac gets the championship. All of a sudden, down the road, you know, he loses the Colt McCoy game where Colt McCoy got hurt against Alabama. A game Texas maybe would have won. Who knows? I feel I, I feel strongly that they would have, but yes. We'll, we'll never know for certain, but they were certainly going to be in the game. They lose that game. And then, you know, all of a sudden, Mac Brown winning nine or ten games a year, that's that's not good enough. Mac Brown needs to go. Right. Mac Brown goes, and we're still. This is the first year Texas has done anything in in what a decade. Yes, that's it. Okay, that's that's exactly right. Um, and this is what the fans do, and they make the job undesirable. Um, and just simply because I had to live through it. Uh, yes, Miami has experienced the same issue, but Florida because my kids were going there. I watched them wreck that program. And I would say this to Florida fans that might be listening to me. Here's the situation that you as the fans created. Now we can go on and on about maybe the admin should not have given the fan base so much power and should have maybe turned a deaf ear to some of the stuff that they were doing. But here's what happened. You had Will Muschamp there and he wasn't doing enough offensively and he didn't have him in the national championship game like Urban Meyer did, the guy that was right before him. So you got rid of Will Muschamp. He brought on Jim McElwain, got you to SEC championship, but that just wasn't good enough. So you ended up 
before you got rid of McIlwain, you just absolutely ran him crazy. I believe you actually made the guy lose his mind. And so now it looked like he needed to go. So you got rid of him. I want to say around that time, Emil, there was a guy at Alabama that was the architect of those great defenses that they had. A guy named Kirby Smart, who I'm sure, as he really started looking at the landscape, because now he was ready to leave the nest and he did. He wanted to be a head coach somewhere. He, those thoughts really, because he'd, he'd been put up for a lot of jobs. But he was really thinking about, man, where should I go? And had he been looking at a Florida team that kept Will Muschamp for a longer period of time. And if Will didn't work out after a, you know, an extended reasonable period of time, he could have looked at that and said, you know what? I can really recruit in the state of Florida. If I've got Florida, that's the only sec team in the state of Florida. I could really go down there and recruit in Florida. I think I like that over my alma mater, Georgia. I can get better recruits at Florida. However, though, what's up with them and and coaches getting recycled through there? I don't know if that's a if that's as good a job as it might appear to be because they just don't have any type of consistency there. They don't see they, they seem to be they seem to let go of coaches there a little prematurely. On the other hand, my alma mater, you know how much people wanted Mark Rick gone. But Mark Rick was Mark Rick was winning nine, ten games, nine, ten yep. games. He didn't win a national championship, but he was winning nine, ten games. And you let Mark Rick fly, and then you eventually let Mark Rick go. And he says, "Now that's a place I can get behind. That's a place I can, um, I I can, you know, go and be solid, right? I can go there and be solid. I can be okay. So." Yeah, I just so it just seemed like a place where he could go and be solid. Um, they're gonna they're gonna allow me time to grow as a coach, build a program, and we might have some bumps in the beginning, uh, or I might I might burst out the first year or two and then have a have a bump, you know, if some seniors leave, and it looks like they'll be behind me and they won't fall to the pressure of a fan base, and it made it real easy for Kirby Smart, who let's let's all agree here is the next. Nick Saban, the next guy that's going to have a dynasty, it allowed him to go to Georgia over Florida. Made that decision very easy for him. Yeah, he didn't have he didn't have to think real hard about it. No, and since then, Florida has gone through. I would essentially say two more coaches because they're you know the fans are making noise about Billy Napier. So you got Mullen out of there after he had a couple of double digit win seasons and you know uh, did really well there. And now you're going to run Nip Napier out of town. It's not a desirable. I break job. these. I break these into two separate camps. I think there's fan bases that you'll never make happy. And in the case of Dabble, he should have enough credibility with his fan base, what he's delivered to them in the time he's been there, that he gets the benefit of the doubt. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, I'm on board with that. But I don't think, like, I think there's, like, we talked on last week's show a little bit about the frustration in the USC fan base, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't think that's unjustified. I think that's completely like, trust your eyes. What, what are you watching? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're not winning. They're not in a national championship game, you know, but – you. Is this a good, solid football team? You know, are guys still going out there and playing and realize, right. you know, your biggest issue 
is probably the quarterback situation. All right. You just, you're a quarterback, you're a stud quarterback away from really being in contention. But as I see it, man, these fans are going to run Dabo out of town and he'll just go somewhere else and bless the program. He basically said that I'll go somewhere where they appreciate me. We'll appreciate you. Come to Los Angeles. Yeah. Or, I, if personally, if I'm Dabo, though, I go somewhere where they're itching for a championship and not somewhere where they've had it because uh, there's a quick hook in those towns where they want a championship, at least. Within That's the truth. That's the truth. We All have right, another college up. coach making headlines, don't we? We've got another guy. Um, I know it's the World Series, and that's where you would expect to hear sign stealing. Um, you hear me down there in Houston? But anyway, I don't want to get on the Astros. They're not even in this fall classic. But we're talking about sign stealing here in college football. I'm sure you have a take on this. But things are getting a little thicker for Jim Harbaugh, and he's probably in a little bit of hot water here over this thing. And Emil, it's 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 not just sign stealing. It's the lengths to which the staffer, it seems, went through to get an opposing team's signs. That is the problem. Uh, it's come out here in the last 24 hours. Pictures of this rogue staffer who had a manifesto, by the way. Did you hear about his, you know, 600 page manifesto to take over the Michigan program? That's wild stuff. That's. That's crazy. That's so college football. But anyway, there's a picture of this young man on the sidelines, Central Michigan sidelines in their game against Michigan State. And he has on one of those Facebook Ray-Ban glasses, apparently, where you can take video and pictures. I have a pair of those, Emil. They're very, very good. And so apparently taking video through the glasses that he could use later um, to I get mean, the sign. Give these guys an A for effort. I mean, look, look at. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I just can't take. You just this don't seriously. think this is a big deal. I keep going back to. We don't have microphones in the helmets. We could. We don't. Now, well, I shouldn't say that. the Power Five. I don't know the affordability of all this technology. I don't know what it costs. I don't know if, if some school in the Mac can do it, but I do know the power five can certainly have microphones. Oh, absolutely. They can. They have Roman tubs in the locker rooms. Correct. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I'm going to assume when I'm holding up a picture of Farrah Fawcett, okay, that somebody's trying to figure out what that means on the sideline. So I got to assume somebody's trying to figure it out. We are paying the players. Is this we, really that big of a deal? We are. Uh, maybe the only argument I could make against that is, as you mentioned, the Power Five schools do have the resources. Yeah. So if you are Michigan State playing Central Michigan, are we in a situation where Michigan State has the mics in the helmet, but Central Michigan does not? Are we in one of those situations? Which is well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you can only do it in Power Five conference games. I don't know what the cost is, and I don't pretend to. What I am saying is, though, in those games, you can certainly have microphones. I'm assuming the signs are everybody's trying to steal the signs. And, yes, I know there's a rule that you're not supposed to do this in person. In other words, you're not supposed to show up. There's a lot of rules in college football these days that are getting violated. Oh, such a loosely run organization yes. at this point. Um, and I think after the big uh, death penalties that were handed down and mostly in the 80s um, and some strong penalties to my school and, and the school that you root for, 
Um, I think they realize that we're such a big business now that it really doesn't serve us to administer these type of death penalties or strong um, sanctions on our member schools when they're bringing in so much money. Like you could not issue a death penalty to an Alabama. You can't mm -hmm. issue a death penalty to a Georgia or Ohio state of Michigan. It just is cutting off your nose to spite your face. Right. So it seems to me that, you know, a lot of this stuff becomes, we have to pretend we're to me, college football has become the wild West. And it, it's almost like for show, we're going to pretend that something like this is serious when we are, you know, we, you know, here, here's the shiny object. Look at this, look at this. And over here, we know, all this other stuff we're sweeping under the rug. If you go look at the history of college football and read about it, which I know you know this, a hundred years ago when they start when this sport started to really become bigger and bigger, the amateurism that they went for because they understood that people would pay, pay players so they'd have a good football team. And this is a hundred years ago. Like, hey, you know, uh, Notre Dame has a lot of money or Harvard because the Ivy League schools and all used to be very good. If you go look a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. They could pay players, so they went for amateurism. So now we've gone to another model where basically you can go back and do that, and we're here on a, a football show talking about sign stealing. Yeah, we're talking about sign stealing. Um, and they're like, maybe it's the media, because have we really heard from the NCAA? We have not. But maybe it's the media, and they're making this out to be a really big thing. And as you and I, as you have mentioned, and as you know, most of us know, Jim Harbaugh will rub people the wrong way in a similar fashion, the way that we at the University of Miami rubbed people the wrong way um, in the way that we won, the way that we celebrated, had a good time. Yeah, um, we were boastful, all those good things. Frankly, Emil, it's stuff that people remember uh, and it's the stuff that a lot of people, you know, except for the ones that got beat down. A lot of people were happy to see and sorry to see it go. So, um, you know, that's, I think, what we have happening with Michigan. They're winning now. They're, you know, they have the potential to win a national championship. They can knock the SEC off of the top of the mountain. And maybe there's some people that are unhappy. Let me ask you this. If 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 Michigan was five and four, do you think do you think this would be as big a story? I really don't think so. But that's just life. That's just the way that the the world works. So. Michigan appears to be touching something that people want and a stink is going to be raised. Speaking of something being taken that people wanted, Colorado goes to Los Angeles, Pasadena, let's say. Let's just be very direct about where it is. Sorry for my folks in Los Angeles. You've got enough of a bad rap going anyway. They're in Pasadena and they're playing UCLA and it was yet another loss for Colorado. Oh, which by the way, Emil, I don't want to touch on this. Beginning of the year, we do our college football preview show and we kind of run through the conferences and say, you know, really quickly what we think people's records are going to be. And since Colorado was a much talked about program in the off season, we made it a point to mention both you and I, what we thought they would finish the season at. I think you had five, yes. five and seven. I had four and eight. And we went with that. I'm, I was on another podcast that I co-host, Football Bill Podcast. I was asked that same question. You know, what would be a good year? What do you? What do I think is going to happen with Colorado? I said, man, if they win three or four games this year, I think Deion Sanders has done a really good job. That'd be, you know, 400% increase in what they mm -hmm. had last year. 
And when that first game against TCU came out, there was all talk of receipts and coming to get guys. And Emil, once again, big. I'm a huge Deion Sanders fan, and that sounds disingenuous. But for someone who played defensive back and imitated him and took a lot of of what I saw from him and put it into my game, um, I can't say that enough. And I think if the season ended today, he's done an outstanding job at Colorado. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is having studied, watched, been a part of college football for quite some time, there's just some things that are uh, true that stand the test of time. It is extremely difficult to take a team that was one in 10 and turn them into an eight win, nine win team from one season to the next. Is it impossible? No, it is extremely difficult though. Even when you have a transfer portal where you can wipe a whole team out and bring a whole new team in, there's going to be deficiencies. There's going to be a cohesion issue. Um, and, you know, against UCLA, Emil, we saw that they had issues up front. But that wasn't the biggest issue. The biggest issue was that when the players went back in the locker room, Emil, their jewelry was no longer in the lockers. A substantial amount of jewelry taken from several players. And now, Emil, Deion Sanders wants the Rose Bowl and or the NCAA to reimburse the players for the jewelry that was stolen. He does admit that, you know, with NIL deals being prevalent, he they've done a good job in getting the guy's financial advisors, but they've slipped in terms of insurance. Understandable. What do you think should happen here? Hey, how you doing? Donnie, two times here. And of course, the pleasure's all yours. Well, let's talk about making some bets and making some cash. If you're trying to do this the right way and not the wrong way, Bovada Sportsbook is the house where you need to be making your wages. My cousin Anthony, who works down in the casinos in Vegas, lays his wages with the guys at Bovada. And if cousin Anthony is doing it, then you know you gotta be doing it too. The folks at Bovada have the greatest lines, top of the line customer service, and here's the best part. They get the money from the big winners into your hand fast. Click that link in the description to open your account now. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I could almost be certain if you had a financial advisor and an IL deal, the advice he, he or she would give you is don't spend your money on jewelry. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't always take the financial advisor's advice now, do we? So I would say, first of all, you, maybe you want to beef up that side of the program. Second thing, I'm going to be cranky middle-aged white guy. Why are you wearing jewelry? to a football game where you're going to walk in dressed, put your uniform on, play a game, take a shower, get dressed again and get on a bus to go to the airport and go home. Do you, can we do without that for a day and a half? I would say the game is where the most eyeballs are on you. And so if you're Colorado, you're walking off of the bus um, your walk out of the out of the locker room um, is viewed, it's filmed, and it's an opportunity for you to be G'd up. You know what I mean? It's the time to have your jewels. If you bought it for that, if you bought it to be seen, and let's be honest, that's why you buy that stuff. It's to be seen. That would seem, in this day and age, a prime moment for it to happen. You walking into the locker room, coming off the bus, leaving out of the locker room, that's when you want to have that stuff on. And I guess this is the price you pay. 
but I'm not endorsing this, the stealing of anyone's jewelry. All I'm trying to say is probably not the smartest move. Even movie stars, when they have jewelry, a lot of times they're fakes when they go to sure. the, the Academy. Sure, Awards because stuff. you are, you know, at risk, no doubt. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lesson learned here that they will, yeah. like, as an institution, um, take care of or individually players will take some more precaution if that means not wearing it to a game or not wearing it to certain areas like Los Angeles, unfortunately, or maybe you do get some insurance. And if it's taken, I mean, even good hotels, right? When you go to a good hotel, whether it's in Europe or the Caribbean or wherever you go, they, they have a safe in the room, right? With a lock that you can set and you, you can put your stuff in there. You're not in that situation here. I mean, you're literally, I'm assuming, I mean, I've never been in the Rose Bowl locker room. You have, uh, I'm assuming it's a locker. Like you put yourself in there and you close the door. I don't know that there are even locks there because I don't know of, I don't know of renovations being done to the, to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, A lot of these are, when I see the pro locker rooms, what they look like to me, like I've seen, I've been in a couple of them. They're basically, you have a giant stall area, like with, with shelves and it's yours. And as your number above it, if it's your home locker room or whatever, it might say Calamino 52, whatever my number is. So like, you already know you're leaving this stuff out and you're you're in a stadium. I'd say that a hundred thousand people, but we both know UCLA's never getting a hundred thousand people in the stadium. Well, I mean, yeah, if they're not playing USC. Right, right. So you're in a stadium with a lot of people. I had to throw that jab in. And um, I see people in and out of the different areas. You don't know who's going into that locker room when you leave. You know, probably didn't give a whole lot of thought to that. I don't know if maybe uh, locker rooms want to put big safes in there and maybe players can have an individual bag for all their jewelry. I will share this story with you, though. Uh, in 1993, my second year at the University of Miami, I got hurt prior to the third game of the season and decided uh, I would take a red shirt because I didn't take one the first year that I was there. So I was in street clothes for the rest of the season. And... At some point, I mean, give it to our guys. They had enough foresight to say, you know what? We're not just going to, I'm I'm not going to just leave my jewelry in this locker room. So here I am, Mr. I'm not going to do anything today. They would all give me their chains and I'd put each one of the chains on and it started to become a thing three or four weeks into it where I'm out there pregame. Oh, and you would wear them. I would wear everyone's chain. I'm totally Mr. T. And it was a funny thing. And I'd be out there with all this weight around my neck. It was funny. I've got guys rings on and I'm just, I'm that guy on the sideline. And it was so Miami, Emil. It was so Miami to have a guy like that. Give me a picture of this. We've got to put this on the podcast. You know, Emil, I'm so sad that there isn't a picture of it. Um, The most I have is one video of me on the sidelines um in a game and i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you when this became a problem we go and play west virginia in 93 and west virginia upsets us it was a a very cold game too by the way i want to say it was might have been 10 or 11 degrees that night super cold game the hillbillies are bareback drinking all of their moonshine or whatever and they upset us and at the time you know we're 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 a pretty big deal so you know what happens when the game's over Fans start rushing the field. 
and Chad, poster coming down <laughs> and Chad's out there with all this weight around his neck. I don't know. I don't know if these folks from West Virginia give a damn about gold rope chains, but in the, there's not, there's not $5 in Morgantown, West Virginia. So if nothing else, if they don't want to wear it, they could take it and pawn it and get, you know, at least their six pack paid for. Yeah. Right. So I'm trying to get off the field and I'm realizing, Oh, this could be a situation if they see this now I've got a trench on because it was really cold that night. I don't know if they could really see it, but I'm trying to make my way off there. And I'm like, what's the bigger danger here? Me getting jumped by a couple of rash cowboys or showing up in that locker room without so-and-so's chain. This is like a double-edged sword. So yeah, I might've now, now it's like a mafia movie. You have to go into the locker room and they're going to think you made up that the chain was stolen. Well, like, listen, you guys had 60 minutes to win a damn ball game. And because you didn't win the ball game, now I've got a problem. Nevertheless, yes, I had a knee issue. I didn't feel it at that moment. I made it off the field. I might have thrown a shoulder into a guy or two that got in my way, but I got in that locker room and returned everyone's jewelry um, and felt funny about it for the rest of the year. But I kept and, that, and think about the risk that you would have incurred if it was today. Because back in 1993, if I go look it up, gold was probably around three to three hundred fifty dollars an ounce. Today, it's I haven't looked lately, but it's pushing two thousand. Last I looked, it might be I don't know. Yeah, I but mean, we all got PPP money now, so it's all relative. Yeah, so, so everything's good. Yeah. You know, so we have to speaking of money. You know what we need to do? What's that? We need to recap last week. And give out this week's picks. And then I, I need to have a conversation with someone. Well, we're not there yet, Emil. I know, but, but I'm talking, I'm thinking money right now. That's I what feel I'm thinking you. about. I, and as as a good accountant should, um, That's you it. are indeed thinking about money, but we got to talk about the Raiders, my friend. Um, the Raiders were a big part of your and I childhood growing up as football fans. Um, my father's favorite team, and rightfully so, because at you know in his heyday the Raiders were badass. All right, they'd won a they'd won a Super Bowl, a couple of Super Bowls in my father's lifetime, and they went about the game in a different manner. You know, I talked about Miami um, and how we celebrated certain kind of. The Raiders were a there was the Raiders, and then there was everyone else in the National Football League. Amo, we're so re far removed from that now. Now it has become a bit of a clown show. Do you think, Emil, with Josh McDaniel, uh, McDaniel fired late last night, early this morning, that Devontae Adams had this done? Do I think Devontae Adams had Josh McDaniels fired? I don't know. I think it's a little bit of I, – I, I think even Mark Davis, while he doesn't have his father's acumen for running the Raiders, I think he could see what was going on there. I mean – they're just a disaster. I mean, I'm surprised, you know, you look at them and they're three and five and I'm surprised they've won three games when you really watch them play because they're just so disjointed. It's it just, they look like well, they've had the fortune of playing someone like the, you know, like they, they've gotten the green Bay Packers. They've gotten some quality teams to come in. You got green Bay, you got new England who doesn't have their act together. And they started off the year with Denver who up until, yeah. you know, last week was a tragedy. But I feel like I'm watching like a bunch of misfit toys. Like nothing fits together when you watch them. I mean, they have certain guys that are really good players like Adams, 
like like Josh Jacobs, like Crosby. They have guys here and there, but the whole thing looks like it's, a, you know, for three and five, they may be the biggest disaster in the league, even though they're only three and five. Yeah, the general consensus is that guys don't thoroughly enjoy playing for Josh McDaniels. Um, but for that matter, they, people didn't enjoy playing for Bill Belichick, except for the fact that at the end of the year, you're going to play in the last game. This is uh, yet another Belichick disciple failing. And I don't know. I think there's something to be said there. These guys are. Well, there's something to be said there. And I think from the rate, from a, from an NFL fan's perspective, as someone I like, kind of like the Raiders or team, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I kind of like the Raiders. They gave away the one thing they had going for them. You know, they hadn't had success, generally speaking, in a long time. I mean, they had that one off Super Bowl where they got beat by Tampa, but in between, you know, the last 40 years, they've had probably, if I go look it up, 30 losing seasons, 25 losing seasons. I mean, they've had a lot of losing there. The one thing they had was that what you talked about, the Raiders, the city of Oakland, they had, they had that whole Misty. thing. They kind of gave it up and now they're like a Las Vegas, like act that's playing like you know you go to las vegas oh there's a raider game let's go see the raider game you know who cares how would you clean the lakers i mean how would you clean the raiders up i said the lakers how would you clean them up what would you do well i mean it that that's the, the question becomes i mean at some point it's got to start with the right gm right sure i mean because he got fired too he got fired too and you know i'm not really sure mark davis is qualified to run the team. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the one constant here. Since Al, even toward the end of his life, kind of, you know, had a little, I think he had some dementia at the end there. I mean, his son never, I mean, the guy can't even get a decent haircut. Right. I mean, it looks like somebody put a bowl over his head and just started clipping. I mean, <laughs> he's a billionaire. I, I know. I can't, I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's examples that I'm clearly missing. But the two biggest things coming to my mind are the Raiders, um, a legendary owner turning things over to a son and it's not working. The Yankees, legendary owner, turns it over to his sons. It's not working. Is this like par for the course or am I missing some situation? Can you think of well, a situation? But I think those two situations, you know, not to get too far off track here, I think they're completely different. I think they don't work for different reasons. In the Yankees case, I think he's got a son that kind of views the Yankees as an investment. And, you know, the same way he checks on his Tesla, Google, and every other stock in the morning, you know, he calls into the CFO and says, how are, how are we doing with our cash flow, blah, blah, blah. And I right. think that's what where his father wanted to win championships. So I think it's different. I think Mark Davis truly would like the Raiders to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think he grew up around it, and it probably does mean a lot to him. I just don't think he knows how to go about it. Well, golly, man, hire some people that will help you there. Um, but he can't make a right GM hire. So that's that. All right. right. Uh, final note before we head into the picks. Brock Purdy, uh, what to make of it? I mean, people are dancing on his head. Emil, four weeks ago, he was a golden boy. And it just in our society nowadays, it's so it's so easy and it can happen so fast that you fall off that mountain. He's sliding down that thing headlong. Emil, I don't think I, – I, I'm not seeing – I think they'll be fine. I think Brock Purdy will be they'll, fine. Listen, they'll eventually be fine. I, I think part of the reason 
you know, whenever a guy's taken late, part of the reason folks will go appoint to Tom Brady, I'll go in order of success in the three guys I'm going to name, Tom Brady and Joe Montana, right? Brady was a sixth round pick. Montana, I think, was a third round pick. And then let's use Tony Romo, who never won Super Bowls, but had a hell of a career, makes a ton of money announcing games, was an undrafted free agent. So those guys are easy to remember. And the reason they're easy to remember is there's not many of them. I mean, let's be honest, most guys right. who succeed at that position were taken relatively high for second round, right? Uh, because so you got, they, you know, because they make it so pretty much, you know, but right. But I'm saying you've got a guy like Purdy, and I think he had so so much success last year, nobody had any tape on him. He's in a good system. I think the big risk we all run as NFL fans, including me being on the as a fan being on the other end of that game. The 49ers and Cowboys played in week five. It's an 18-week season. Literally, you're not even at the one-third mark of the season. And, and everybody came away from that game saying, man, I can't – me, I can't believe my Cowboys sucked this bad. And every, and everybody else going, ah, just give them the trophy. Nobody can beat the 49ers. Do you see what they did? And it was one game. And they always say in sports, you're never as good as you look when you win and you're never as bad as you look when you lose. And then the 49ers went out in order, lost three games in a row to the Browns. Yeah, it seemed they, it seemed they had hit a peak. Um, now I will say playing at Cleveland and playing Cincinnati, who looks really, really good. Yeah. By the way, can aid you in hitting a bit of a losing streak. And then you're on the road on a Monday night against Minnesota, who doesn't have, you know, they're they're not having a typical Minnesota season, but, you know, they could get well, hot. I'm not saying that any of the games were embarrassing to lose. What I'm trying to say is I, I think there was a lot, way too much put into an early season game, and that was media created to some extent. And I think players got wrapped up in it because of the history of the Cowboys and 49ers and because of their records early in the year. And let's face it, it was the fifth game of the year. I mean, if sure. the 49ers had beaten the Cardinals 42-10, it wouldn't have mattered. It was because it was the Cowboys and the rivalry. And I think the 49ers might have got a little too high off that game. Perhaps. Um, I mean, there are some injuries there, but um, they went out and got Chase Young. So they're not, you know, sitting back on their hands. They're trying to make some moves there and uh, shore up some things. I don't know that defense was an issue, but I did notice Nick uh, Bosa getting – dealt with getting getting double teams getting chip blocked getting all those things so that might help with that yeah, i have my own take i think the you know the whole trade deadline i think is overblown in the nfl to a degree i i, I mean chase well, media a, wants content so trades really help with that yeah chase young's a talented guy on paper he's had a lot of injuries usually let's be honest the team that sees him every day for four years if they thought he was a game wrecker he isn't getting out of the building True, but it is Washington. So, A, the environment. But, but can... here's what I'm trying to get at. The one thing Washington had was talent on their defensive line. So you can't say, oh, well, Chase Young was getting triple team. I, listen, he may go to San Francisco and set the world on fire. None of us know that. But you can't say, oh, he wasn't getting pressure or whatever the, the knock was because he didn't play around talent. They have talent on the defensive line in Washington or had it till this week when they traded him. Montez Sweat, but they had Jonathan Allen. I think Payne might still be there. They have some guys there. And, you know, so who knows? Maybe the change of scenery. The 49ers are looking for something because they signed Randy Gregory, who was a total flame out in Denver. 
Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what they think. I mean, they've they've got guys. They got Bozer. They got Hargraves. They've got Ar- Armstead. I think it's just a mindset of being aggressive. Both, you know, something to show the fans, and maybe, um, you know, within the building, just a morale. But your original question is the question here. Purdy doesn't have to be Joe Montana, but he certainly can't be the guy we saw the last two weeks. He has to go back to being somewhere in between there. You know, we got real carried away with the whole, you know, oh, this is going to be the second coming of Joe Montana. Maybe that's how it ends up. I don't know the end of the story, but I can tell you one thing. He doesn't need to be that. He just can't be this guy over here that we saw because he's made some really poor decisions with the football. Yeah, uh, it could be a situation of trying to do too much. However, Amol, they've scored 17 points three straight weeks in a row. That's not been enough. They're into a bye this week. And then, Amol, they've got to go to Jacksonville. Three losses are like, oh, okay. Four losses in a row, and we got a full-blown problem. And, again, you're going to play Jacksonville, which uh, is probably playing the best football in the AFC right now. Right now, I would say yes, and 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 I will say this: I'll go full blown Captain Obvious on you right here. I'm going full blown Captain Obvious. They better keep Christian McCaffrey healthy there. Oh, they have to because he's so much a part of the offense. He makes so much. He makes people, um, the other guys, the other weapons in that offense, so much more dangerous. That should he go out of there, you're going to see a drop off in numbers across the board. Right, right. And I, I think this is also, listen, I don't think Purdy all of a sudden became a bad player. I think he's in a bad streak. But, I, I you know, I think I think the media and fans got way ahead of themselves with a guy who had all of about kind of, 15 kind of, or 16 Kind of what stars. we do in this day and age. We're quick to anoint, and boy, is it fun for us to hurry up and cut a guy's head off once he sits on that. Well, throat. in the previous segment, and I'm kind of relating these two only because, it, as you mentioned it, and I started talking about it with you, I I, th- I thought what you said with Colorado, they were such a media creation. Now, granted, Dion's doing a little bit to plug it himself to get recruits, sure. but the media is sending, you know, game day game day there two or three weeks in a row, and let's be honest. The smarter ones, the guys analyzing that play, they know, like, hey, TCU's not as good this year. Nebraska's Nebraska. But they were hyping this up, and then all of a sudden they loved it. When when Oregon came and whacked them, they had the they had the film of, of the Oregon coach. And next thing, you know, it's like, well, you guys made Colorado something they weren't. I kind of feel this is what we're doing here with Purdy. Instead of just saying yes – He's a good quarterback, a pretty good quarterback in a really good system with a great play caller. We all of a sudden go from that to this might be the next Joe Montana. I mean, <laughs> you know, I guess this is a, you know, a talk for for another program. Uh, but what if Brock Purdy is not the guy? What if he doesn't work out? You sent Trey Lance off. What do you do if you're San Francisco? You're not in line, obviously, for a top of the line pick in this season, this draft coming up. What do you do? Um, Listen, I thought the Trey Lance, and not because my team traded for him, I thought the Trey Lance thing was way premature to give up on a guy that you gave up so much to get in what? His second year in the league, right? Yeah. Second, Basically, you just sent him to Dallas. I want to say it was his third. But he's 23 years old, so you sent him to Dallas for a bag of footballs. I mean, 
you know my theory on quarterbacks. I've been saying it for over a decade on this show. I'll take one every year. And if someone wants to give me one for whatever, I think Dallas gave them, what, a fifth-round pick or something? You want to give me a quarterback for a fifth-round? Yeah, it didn't cost me anything. It didn't didn't cost me anything. Yeah, I mean, I'll do it. (laughs) Yep. And the guy's on his rookie contract, as you said. So, yes. all right, let's get to the accounting part of this thing, and uh, let's get some picks going. I just want to let the fans know I was only on the money thought part because I thought you wanted to handle our college business, but you had a lot to talk about, and that's fine. We, we can do the picks all at once today. Um, you know, we, we I need to have a conversation with somebody in a minute, okay? Because I'm not going to hold this pick against you. You went 3-0 and in college last week. I most certainly did. You had Iowa State minus two and a half. That was a nice winner. You you had some stones, as we like to say. You took Nebraska minus two and a half winner. You had Oregon minus six and a half. So Chad did give you guys. Uh, I want to say this. All right. If I can break my arm here, just patting myself on the back. Those were all easy blowout winners. Easy blowout winners. And your record in college is nothing short of astounding. You're 20 and seven. Incredible. Really good stuff. I mean, I'm not just saying that. That's I feel pedestrian, and actually, my record's pretty good if you look at the percentages. Um, I was two and one last week, so we were five and one in college. I took a loss on Penn State. I have no idea what they were doing because they were tied at 24 with three minutes left in the game against the two and five Indiana team. They don't do don't offense. They, were... they just don't do offense. Uh, yeah, but coming off that Ohio State loss, I really figured they go step on somebody's head last week, and they didn't do it. So that was my loss. I gave you an easy winner on Cal. Folks, I'm I'm a homer, but I will pick against my own team. My Trojans are a moneymaker this year if you're going against them. Yeah, and, and, and you know I what, Amo, them- like how many weeks in a row is this? Let me look this up really quick um, as you as you talk about that. But I this is – this has to be unprecedented for this team. I don't care what era we are talking about, but this is how many weeks in a row now? They've Let's... had a they've had to be they have to be on a six or seven game losing oh, streak no. against somehow they didn't allow Utah to score 40 something points. But in four out of five weeks, they've given up 40 plus points. No, and I'm talking about against the spread. They have to be on a six or seven game losing streak if I'm if I'm adding this up in my head the right way. I faded them the last two weeks. That was easy. Okay. Yeah. Cal lost by one. They got 10 and a half. And I was on Oregon with you. So that was an easy one. I'm 16 and 11 on the year. So like I said, that's almost 60%. And I feel pedestrian compared to you. But now I have a bone to pick. And is he in your office there somewhere? I could go get him because I, you know, I phone him and let him know that you know you are. Yeah, but I need to talk to, to talk to him. Yeah, the yeah. Italian wants to talk to the guy. Let's I want to talk to go him. Get him in here somewhere. Oh Jesus, what's this guy's problem? Oh, am I supposed to sit here and stand trial? I'm sorry. Okay, listen. It's it's called gambling. All, scooter. I know Miami's in the South. They're not in the SEC. You do know that, right, Scooter? Well, listen, if I was going to come on the show, the host said I got to wear this Miami shirt. I think he's kind of punishing me for what I went through, um, you know, and giving – I'm sorry to all the fans out there that went with my pick. I thought my – Tell them who you picked last week, Scooter. 
I went against my Tennessee Vols. Y'all know I love them guys, and I love to hate them. So I hated on them last week and took Kentucky. But the only thing more chokeable than the Tennessee Volunteers might be them damn Kentucky Wildcats. Them dudes in Lexington couldn't show up, and so they cost me in front of the fans here. I'm really good at picking SEC games because I know I know the lay of the land when it comes down to the South. But, Emil, listen, how was I supposed to know Kentucky was going to just roll over and play dead for the for the, for the the volunteers? Unbelievable, man. Scooter, I really like you, so I'm going to have an intervention here. Do you drink the fire water? Do you drink the bourbon down there? Be honest with me, Scooter. Listen, I'm a Johnny Walker guy myself. Okay. Um, you could believe I was tanking those on Saturday night. You could believe I was taking them down left and right. As I was watching that pick go down, but you know what? I might have just hedged, okay? This is a 3D chess move. I love the Volunteers, but I took Kentucky. So when Kentucky lost to the Volunteers, uh, it's chess, not checkers, my friend. Yeah. Okay. You were playing some mental chess. Well, you know what, Scooter? Give me my host back. You're not making any picks this week. It's all good. I'm going to lay yeah. off. And I think, yeah, lay off. I think they're calling me at the Cracker Barrel. I'm next up for a table. Okay. I'll be right back. Can you believe this? This guy eats at the Cracker Barrel. Who does that? Well, Amo, we got SEC. I'm going to give you my college picks. You're going to give me your college picks. Then I'll summarize the NFL for the fans, and then you. Oh, can please roll don't. In. You can roll. Oh, yeah, you're going to get. Listen, if you're going to get a pat on your back, you're also going to get a kick in your end. So I think I'm going to catch this dinner with uh, SEC Scooter at Cracker Barrel when the NFL comes up. But go ahead. You like the fries, don't you? Yes, with you are up, my man. Let's go. Okay, uh, we, we covered this in detail earlier in the show. Um, there's some problems at Clemson right now. And I don't think, I you know, I, I think they missed this line. This is, to me, a line where, where this Notre Dame-Clemson game, they're looking at Clemson home. They're remembering what Clemson was. And I'm here to tell you, that ain't this Clemson, if in case you folks haven't figured it out. They're 4-4. Four and four. Notre Dame comes in here, a confident football team. Six and two, little hiccup, middle of the year where they they lost that Louisville game. They had a tough game against a good Duke team. Their only other loss is to the number one team in the country, Ohio State, and that was on the last play of the game. It was a good Notre Dame team. They seem to be well coached. They're physical. Um, I think they go into Clemson and just you know take care of business. Now, is it going to be fifty eight seven like last week? Probably not. But this this feels like they go in there and handle them like thirty to. 14, 30 to 16. So I'm going to take Notre Dame minus three. Next one, I, I know Bowers is out for Georgia. And I know the popular opinion is, you know, Georgia's got issues, this and that. I think Georgia partially has some offensive issues. I also think they're a little bit bored. And this line tells me that the, the odds makers realize that if Georgia's motivated this week, they're going to put a hurt on somebody, and I think this is a week they do it. Missouri comes in here 7-1, and one, number 12 team in the country. Yet I look, and Georgia's given 16.5 points. For me, the, something doesn't feel right there. It's like number 12 team in the country. You're coming in, you're getting over two touchdowns. This feels like one like Georgia did to Kentucky a few weeks ago. They feel a little bit threatened. They're focused on a game like this, and I think they go out and they take care of Missouri. I don't think Missouri's anywhere near – the 12th best team in the country, even though their record would suggest that. And I think Georgia shows people that this week. And then finally, listen, guys, 
I'm an offensive coordinator that when I find a play, if they let me run an offense, I run it until the other guy stopped it. I'm going to tell you something. I hate to say this, but I don't see how Washington doesn't score 50 points this week. I'm, as, as a Trojan fan, I am trying my damnedest to think of ways that Washington won't score 50. I don't see that. So then I say, well, if they get to 52, no matter how good Caleb Williams is, I don't think he's getting to 49 or 48. So I'm going to take Washington to lay four and a half points because they've shown to this point in the season, they've played the better football. They're the fifth ranked team in the country. And I just don't think USC can stop them on defense. So give me the Huskies minus four and a half. What's your Georgia number? 16 and a half. All right. Just to recap, Amo likes Notre Dame at Clemson. Dabo's going to have to feel some calls once again on the show. Uh, Tyler from Spartanburg is going to be all gassed up. He likes Notre Dame laying three on the road against Clemson. He likes Georgia 16 and a half versus Missouri. And he's going against his Trojans again in their bad defense. He's going to take the Washington Huskies laying four and a half. What do I have on deck for the folks this week? I'm going to go with you, Amo, with that Notre Dame pick. Maybe the line's a trap. I don't know what the deal is. But I've had a chance to watch Clemson a couple times this year, including in person when they came down here and played Miami. And, yeah, they have some issues offensively, and that's a bad thing to have if you're going to go up against Notre Dame because one thing they have been doing this year is playing really good defense. I think it's going to be really hard for Clemson to move that football up and down the field. And while Clemson tends to be strong at home, I just, you know, right now Notre Dame is playing really, really good football. They seem to be all seasoned up. The only thing I worry about is, yes, you did have that big blowout uh, a week ago, 58-7 to over Pittsburgh. Maybe you get the big head. But outside of that, man, Notre Dame clearly a better team than Clemson, and we're only asking them to cover three here, basically win the game. And I just think I'm going to go with the better team here, and that's the gold helmets. Sorry, Dabo. Uh, get ready for that call-in show next week. Moving along to the Big 12, which has been kind to me this year. I'm going to roll with Texas Tech. You know, Texas Tech on paper, not having a greatest season. They're below 500. They're a three-and-five uh, football team. But the losses, Amel, have come to Wyoming. They've come to Oregon. They've come against Kansas State, BYU, and, yeah, at West Virginia. They've lost to good football teams. And they're coming off of back-to-back -back losses and a bye. All right, so they've had a chance to work on some things, maybe tweak some things, and maybe throw a couple curveballs at a TCU team that's got a hangover off of all the great stuff that they did last year, including playing in the final game of the season, the championship game. Um, they're just not the same team this year, and we found that out in week one. They have lost three of their last four, including a loss at Kansas State two weeks ago, 41-3. to They, too, are off of a bye, but I just don't think even with the extra time that they can go – into Texas Tech and beat the Red Raiders because the Red Raiders do play well at home. I just think in a matchup, given where this is in Lubbock, I like Texas Tech as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. And by virtue of their loss, I'm sliding over to the Pac-12 now, by virtue of their loss to Washington earlier this season, Oregon is now in a situation where they are going to be spread watchers. And that means they need to lay the hammer to people that they can do that to and in this particular case, they're getting a team in which they are able to do that this week. And I love these kind of situations as we start to get down towards the end of the year where you've got a team that's 
got to look good mm -hmm. and they've got to run up points on people. And yeah, Cal is, you know, Cal's not as bad as people thought they were going to be. They can surprise you here and there. And they've done that a couple of times this year, but not in this case, Oregon's on a mission. You saw what they did last week against Utah. If that didn't really set the tone and tell you the mindset of this team right now, week before they went and beat Washington state, who was a decent team up until that point by double digits, Oregon is going to win this game, and when they're winning this game, they're going to be thinking about the spread. They're going to be thinking about the number. They're going to be thinking about how much Washington beat California by, and that's going to spur them to go keep running up the points. And uh, over the years, I've been able to grab some pretty easy winners in these situations. I think Oregon fits the bill. So I'm going to go with Oregon as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite in this contest. Yeah, I like that pick, especially you know looking at what we just talked about, what Cal did, kind of heartbreak loss to USC. I think they might be gassed this week sure. when they play. So anyway, Chad's going to give you Texas tech minus two and a half. I believe that's a Thursday or Friday game. So check your calendar folks. Uh, Notre Dame minus three and Oregon minus 23 and a half. Now, now we get to the unpleasant part of the show for Chad. I could stomach it. The man was rolling in the NFL he was on. He was. He was picking two thirds of his games right, and then last week he hit a little. Yeah, I had man. one of those in the college football week. It happens. So it happens. Yeah, the Colts minus one and a half. Uh, they got beat by the Saints. You took. Oh, they were up seventeen seven at one point. I know they were, and you had a tough loss with the Browns plus three and a half. Browns had it for folks who didn't follow the game. They were up by three, uh, with. Let me think here. They were up three with about two minutes left. And then inexplicably, instead of running the ball, punting and making Seattle use their last time out, they threw a pass that got intercepted. And next thing you know, with about 30 seconds left in the game, Seattle scoring, kicking the extra. Chad takes a half point loss there. And then we talked about Brock Purdy in the earlier segment. He had the 49ers uh, up. And I would have looked at that game the same way. The 49ers coming off back-to-back -back losses. Who no, they were never lose. they were never in jeopardy of winning or covering this number in this game. No, so Chad was 0-3 last week. He's at 14 and 10 in the NFL, still a good record. Uh I was two and one. My lo my loser was a very tough loss. Again, I took the the commanders, Washington plus six and a half. They lost by seven to the Eagles. This is a game where even in the second half, the commanders had the outright lead in the game. And uh, you know, the half point got me. I had the Jags for a relatively easy winner against the Steelers. They went to Pittsburgh and won by 10, giving two and a half. And then your son's team took care of me late in that game. I had the Cardinals plus eight and a half. They had some fight in them down the stretch. They lost 31-24 to the Ravens. So I was two and one. I'm also 14 and 10. For you folks out there who are bad at math, we're 36 and 18 in college, 28 and 20 in the NFL. Add that up. That's 64 and 38. You got some Not units bad. in the bank, man. You got some units in the bank. So I'm I'm guessing since I had the stinker last week. You go week, first. You go first. Get off the schneid. Give us three winners. Come on. All right. Listen, I'm going to go across the pond to Germany. Guten Tag. Miami taking on Kansas City. Kansas City coming off of the loss versus Denver. You would say to yourself, these are the Chiefs. These are the almighty Chiefs. This is the current dynasty in the league. They are going to come back and they're going to be strong, and they're going to be mighty, and they're going to be the Chiefs. They got problems, man, all right? If Travis Kelsey is not on, that whole offense is off, and Mahomes is running around looking like 
the Colin Kaepernick that lost his job in San Francisco turns into backyard football, and that's just not going to work here. Uh, Miami's defense is coming back around and getting the pass rush. You got Jalen Ramsey. I I think Xavier Howard is going to be back this game too. So you got two bookend corners that can cover what it is. The chiefs are rolling out there at wide receiver. It's not really much of anything and they've got offensive issues and it might take a couple of weeks, Emil, for them to fix it going across to Germany and facing a team with Miami. That's going to bring constant pressure by scoring points on you is not the way to go. Oh, and on top of that, the Chiefs are coming into this game as favorites, and um, that's going to put a burden on them. On the flip side, you've got Miami. You've got the things that they can do offensively. Yes, the Chiefs have been playing good defense, but they haven't run into an offense quite like this one. Oh, and by the way, there's a guy that used to play for the Chiefs that's now dressed up for the Miami Dolphins. He's the leading receiver in the NFL right now. Look for him to have a big ball game and maybe look for the Chiefs to overcompensate in terms of trying to take him away from the game, and someone like Jalen Waddle absolutely goes crazy. Miami just has too many weapons. I like them in this ball game as underdogs. When I can get points with the Dolphins, save the uh, Eagles game. Um, I like them. So, and it's we're in a neutral site, so to speak. So I'll take that. Heading over uh, to Houston, the Texans. You know, I'm starting to believe in this team, even off of the loss. I'll tell you how much I believe in them. These guys are coming in off of a loss. And I feel like they're going to battle back from that. That's that's the mindset of me, of this team changing and saying, all right, this is a team that has some pride, that uh, can legitimately be a winning team. And they're coming in here off of a loss at Carolina, an embarrassing loss because you give the Panthers their first win of the season. Coming back home now to face a Tampa team, Amol, that quite frankly is struggling. Um, they're just, they don't have a running game to speak of. And because you don't have a running game, Baker Mayfield is 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 struggling. You can't get the third down uh, conversions that you need. Uh, you can't get what you need in the red zone. You don't necessarily have enough explosive plays down the field unless, you know, Mike Evans pushes a DB down to the ground. So I just think there's going to be a problem for Tampa Bay on the road against a Houston team coming home off of a loss. And we're really only asking the Texans to win this game as three-point favorites. I'm going to roll with Houston on this one and – um, I see them getting back onto the good side of things. And finally, speaking of the Panthers, hey, how about those Panthers finally getting that first win? And well, yes, they were by you know virtue of their record, the worst team in the league, but you could see some good things there. They're playing well enough on defense. Bryce Young has been uh, a quality quarterback as for a rookie. All right, rookie quarterbacks aren't what they used to be in the league anymore. So Bryce Young, Looks good enough. And now you're getting an Indianapolis Colts team coming into town. And Emil, uh, I thought Gardner Minshew was going to be a bit of a savior for their season. Yeah, you lost Anthony Richardson. You got a guy like Gardner Minshew. But he's really starting to look like the pumpkin. He's really starting to look like the backup quarterback that he is. Defense isn't playing well. And when you're the Indianapolis Colts that are just, at this point, a losing franchise, if I could say that, I don't feel good about you going and laying points on the road. By virtue of their win last week, Carolina now has some confidence. So it's a little different when you're talking about a losing team coming off of a win versus a winning team coming off of a win. Carolina earned a measure of confidence. They can go into this game feeling good about it and actually be a little bit offended that a team playing like the Colts with a losing record is coming into town with um, as a favorite. So I like Carolina in this one. I think they eke out the win and continue the woes for the Indianapolis Colts. So give me the Panthers as two and a half point underdogs at 
home. Let me recap this for the folks. Go to Bavada, get put some put some put some coin down on Chad's winners here because I have a feeling he bounces back in a big way. He's going to Germany. He's taking the home team there where he is, the Miami Dolphins. They're catching a point and a half on a neutral site against the Chiefs. He's got the Houston Texans laying three. And then finally, he's going with the the two rookie quarterbacks here, the Carolina Panthers. I must be crazy. Two and a half. So there you go. Here we go. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. I'm going big game hunting. First early game here. I'm going to uh, look. I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens here. They're playing great football. And you can kind of say that about Seattle, but I don't like this spot at all for the Seahawks. And on paper, neither, neither do the odds makers. You have a 6-2 and two Ravens team playing a 5-2 and two Seahawks team. You probably expect this line to be 3, 3.5 when it came out. It's 5.5. Tells me this is not an optimal situation for the Seahawks. I talked about their game last week at home with the Browns. Tough game. Probably took a lot out of them. Now they got to get on a plane. Haul ass across the country, play a one o'clock game in Baltimore against a very good Ravens team. I think this is just a bad spot for the Seahawks. I, I think the Seahawks are a good football team in a bad spot. I'm playing a situation here. I like the Ravens minus five and a half. Going to Monday Night Football. You talked about a team that really seems to, I think Joe Burrow's calf injury was a lot worse than any of us thought. He fought through it. The team somehow came out three and three. They did what they had to do. They looked like themselves last week in San Francisco. Um, they're playing the Bills. I think the Bills right now are just, they're in a funk. The Bills don't look like I expect them to look in the way they're functioning offensively. And I think this is a bad spot for them. The Bengals are only giving two and a half. And I feel like the Bengals are going in this arc at this point in the season. The Bills are kind of going in the other direction. And they're going to cross on Monday night. Give me Cincinnati minus two and a half. Finally, I've showed you folks I'm not scared to go against my team, and I'm going big game hunting again. See, you never see the Eli Manning look. Well, Dak Prescott has a look of his own, and he does get that look, but it's usually against the San Francisco 49ers. I did some digging. Dak Prescott, folks, plays very well against the Eagles, both in terms of wins and losses and the numbers he produces. Um, this is not a homer pick. I, I really do like the Cowboys in that late Sunday game at four 30 against the Eagles catching three points. I think the Eagles are seven and one, but it doesn't feel like the seven and one from last year. It feels like they're a little sloppy. They're getting away with more talent than their opponents and they're finding ways to win games. I think out of their seven wins, five or four by one score, which is odd for a dominant team this early in the season. And I think it's going to catch up with them here because certainly on paper, the Cowboys have, the talent to match up with the Eagles. I know it's in Philly, but I just I have a good feeling about this game. Give me Dallas plus three. All right, recapping. Amo likes the Ravens as five-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, this is a Sunday night game, not a Monday night game. The Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. My bad. You're the, right. Yeah, against the Buffalo Bills. He likes the home team, the Bengals in this one. And, and, and frankly, Amo, the Bengals look nice. They're coming around. Um, quite nicely. This is their time of year anyway. And then finally, he's going with his all-time favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys. And I will, I, you know, I will back him on this. He has no problem picking against him. So uh, if, if this is your, if you're new to the show and you know, he's a Cowboys fan, don't think he's out here just being a homer. He has, he has looked at this 
from all sides. And he's going with the Cowboys in that big game on Sunday, late Sunday afternoon. Four, that, that's the 430 national game. So we'll probably have Buck and Aikman. Yes, folks. Oh, no, wait, what that I, I happen there to like those. Are Buck and Aikman. They're, they're have, on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Who do we get? Um, Greg Olson? I think so. Can you believe that? Because that's going to be Fox, right? So I yeah. guess that is what we're getting. Lord, do I miss the Madden and Summerall days. We don't have those anymore, so let's not lament on that. So that's what you've got. He's taking the Cowboys as three-point underdogs against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's time for us to wrap up the show, man. We talked uh, we talked the issues we needed to talk about. It's out there in both college and NFL football. We recap last week's action. And now we carry you into week nine and 10 of the NFL and college football season. And you're all ready to make some money out of this thing. We entertained you. We we educated you. And now we are going to make you financially sound. We fed you. We fed you, right? We fed you. We hit we hit all we hit the, the trifecta here. Education, entertainment, and we are giving you financial uh, freedom and liberty um, here on the two chumps football podcast so we gave you what you came here for if you liked the show go ahead and subscribe uh, if you're listening to us on spotify anchor uh, amazon whatever you're listening to however you stream your podcast go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you liked what you heard so that you don't miss out on the next one if you're watching us on youtube hit that subscribe button buddy we're coming at you each and every week. And if you're a fan of defensive back play or you like college football recruiting, anything like that, definitely a channel for you to be on. So we got a lot of good stuff here for um, you to snack on. Also, feel free to share this show, too. You know, you folks on Facebook that you want to post something, man, if you love the Two Chumps football podcast and you think you've got some some drinking buddies, some fantasy football league buddies or some betting buddies that might find this thing very interesting, go ahead and or maybe you have a neighborhood bookie that you don't like and you want to break them. Sure, well, we don't need sure. them coming after us. That's for sure. Don't show it to the bookie. All right. <laughs> but go ahead and share it on your social networks. We would greatly appreciate it. And uh, that's it for us. We're out of here. We'll be back in your face next week. So until then, for Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching the Two Chumps or listening to the Two Chumps football podcast. We'll be back at you next week. Take it easy, guys.